Well, hello, family, and welcome to Living Spring. I, as you can probably tell by my voice, I am a little under the weather. I think that Pastor John touched a doorknob in the office sometime this week, and voila. Um, but today we are continuing in our series called New Beginnings. And this series is, uh, the, the premise is that our lives are made up of changing chapters and seasons. Uh, and, and while some of those changes are brought on by us, some of them are caused by forces outside of our control. However, there's always one thing that, uh, that, that we hold on to, and that's each change is an opportunity for us to engage with our Heavenly Father. And so today we continue this series, New Beginnings, uh, and our purpose is to see how God can use each change we experience to, uh, as a new beginning in our lives. And so with that in mind, we are going to jump in. But before we do that, I actually, I know some of you saw, saw her already, but I want to just, just share like my favorite new beginning of this year so far. Uh, I, start, I became a, uh, an un- unexpected parent of a fur baby. Um, her name is Athena, and I think Cece ha- oh, Finn Rouse has her, so can I, can, I, can I hold my puppy? Yes, thank you. I just love her. Oh, look at this. Look at her. She is so cute. And technically, we have a no dog policy on campus, but you know, I'm preaching, so um, I'm with her into my sermon. Uh, this is Athena, and she was abandoned at a PetSmart. She is only 11 weeks old, so about two weeks ago, my cousin saw her at, while she was shopping for her, like, 11 dogs, and she brought her to my dad's house, where my mom and my brother picked her up and brought her to their house, and where I saw her for the first time, and I just, well, backtrack. The first time I saw her, she peed on my carpet, so the second time I saw her, I fell in love. Um, <laughs> she, she is the sweetest puppy who cries all the time. Um, And I have no idea what breed she is. She, like I said, she's a banning, she's a mutt, and people keep telling me she's going to be huge, but I just want her to stay in this right now. Um, She's she's wonderful. So thank you so much for letting me show her off. Her name is Athena, so if you see my Instagram, it's going to be all of her from now on. So here you go. I know that none of you will be paying attention to anything I say from now on. Uh, for the rest of this morning, so winning. Um, I've, I also have this wonderful picture of her, and that usually Pastor John. Every time we have a break in between like the slides, he has like just a blank picture or a blank like a blank slide there. It's all going to be this picture, so you guys get to see her a lot. It's great. Um, anyway, there's no way to move on from that. So moving on, we are going to look at. The, the life story of the, the, of the disciple, Simon Peter. Uh, we're going to look at his life in three different parts. And before he was a disciple, Peter was a fisherman. And so where do fishermen spend a lot of their time? Boats. Yes. So good job. A plus. So on a boat is where we're actually going to find ourselves this entire morning. So if you get seasick, I'm sorry. Uh, but Peter has three key moments in Scripture on a boat. And we're going we're gonna to do a little jumping around in, in the New Testament this morning. Uh, we're going to actually 
So I, I know we don't typically do that. We usually find ourselves in one passage. But So I apologize in advance, but we're going to jump around just a little bit because I think it's worth it. I think at the end, when we piece all of the, these three pieces of, of, uh, of Peter's story together, it ends up being something powerful. And so I apologize in advance if, uh, if you get frustrated with me. But the first story that we, we will take a look at is the first time Peter shows up. It's going to be in Luke chapter 5, uh, verses 1 to 11. And so let me go ahead and read that for us, and we'll unpack it in just a second. One day, Jesus was standing beside Lake Gennesaret when the crowd pressed in around him to hear God's word. Jesus saw two boats sitting by the lake. The fishermen had gone ashore and were washing their nets. Jesus boarded one of the boats, the one that belonged to Simon, then asked him to row out a little distance from the shore. Jesus sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he finished speaking to the crowds, he said to Simon, row out farther into the deep water and drop your nets for a catch. Simon replied, Master, we've worked hard all night and caught nothing. But because you say so, I'll drop the nets. So they dropped the nets, and their catch was so huge that the nets were splitting. They signaled for their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They filled both boats so full that they were about to sink. When Simon Peter saw the catch, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Leave me, Lord, for I am a sinner. Peter and those, who, those with him were overcome with amazement because of the number of fish they caught. James and, sorry, let me go ahead and jump to that one. James and John, Zebedee's sons, were Simon's partners, and they were amazed too. Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishers, fishing for people. As soon as they brought the boat to the shore, they left everything and followed Jesus. Guys, this is really great stuff. The calling of the first disciples. We have the, the you will be fishers of people line. We, we have this, this scene where when they land, they, the, the, the people that were there left everything and followed Jesus. This passage is rich with such goodness. We could spend the entire series here. But instead of doing that, we are, I want to draw your attention to this moment with Peter after they catch all the fish when he realizes Jesus isn't just some traveling teacher. He's not just some, some man. Luke says that when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. First off, maybe you can help me, help me figure this out. I'm just really curious where Peter was telling Jesus to go. They're out in the middle of the lake. Um, and he didn't know Jesus could walk on water yet. So that um, doesn't make sense to me. If you have an answer, please come find me after, after service. Uh, the second thing is I want us to be honest with ourselves right now. If you and I had never heard of Jesus before, if, if we had never been to church, how many of us would have responded in a similar, if not the same way that Peter does right now? Jesus was just this random teacher who showed up at the end of a really hard, fruitless night's work. 
They, they caught nothing. They had been working hard. They had just finished cleaning their nets. And this dude hops in, in a boat and says, hey, can you take me out so I can talk to the people? And so Peter's out there after a long day's work, and, and he's sitting there listening to this dude talk and talk and talk like you're listening to me talk and talk and talk. And then after he finishes, he tells Peter, row me out a little bit further, and you're going to drop your nets, and you're going to catch something. And so they do. But then Peter sees that something amazing happens. They catch all the fish. Their, their boats are filled with this huge catch, so full that they are about to sink, right? And so Peter, like any normal person, sees something crazy happen, and he runs to Jesus, and he throws himself at his knees and says, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. And I think he does this because he would rather have the simple life as, of a fisherman that he knows, that he's familiar with, than get tangled up with this powerful man, this powerful person who clearly has some kind of authority. Again, how might you or I respond if this kind of thing happened to us? I remember the first time I went to church uh, I think I was about, I was, I was somewhere early elementary school, and I have this distinct memory of my, of my mom, like, literally dragging me out of the house towards the car while I was kicking her and screaming, I don't want to go to stupid church. Maybe you had a similar experience this morning. I don't know. <laughs> Facebook Live. Uh, but I, I wasn't interested in a changed life. I wasn't interested in community. I wasn't interested in this person, this Jesus person that my mom kept telling me I seriously needed. Like, I wasn't interested in, in all, any of this. And so maybe that's where you find yourself today. Maybe you're not interested or maybe you, are, you desire nothing more than to get as far away from church and Jesus as you can manage. If that's you, you're not alone. <laughs> it's okay. I, I've been there. Peter has been there. I'm sure most of us in this room have been there at some point or other in our lives. But fortunately for me, fortunately for Peter, our, our stories didn't end there. If, if this is you, fortunately for you as well, your story doesn't end right here, right now. Please, God, let me finish the sermon. Um, And we don't have this exact timeline for Jesus' life. Um, but this next story probably takes place about a year or two later, a uh, year or two down the road after he calls these disciples. And it's this, this account is written by Matthew, another one of Jesus' disciples. And he recalls this, this next boat story uh, in Matthew chapter 14. So we'll, we'll go ahead and read that together right now. But I just, I love the Gospels. Like, the thing that brings me back to the Gospels over and over and over again is that, it, is the story it tells. It tells this, this story through a bunch of seemingly independent blurbs uh, about Jesus' life. But it tells a story. 
And, and so often, maybe you, you can resonate with this, but I catch myself reading the Bible and just searching for the, these nuggets of wisdom. I, I find myself just trying to find answers or trying to learn the Bible a little bit better. I think that what God, I think and feel what God really wants from us uh, is to sit with the story, to allow it to move us and shape us so that we might come to love and trust Jesus a little bit more. At least that's what I observe in the life of Peter. And while he surely grows and learns and, and gathers wisdom throughout his, our, our time with him in Scripture, these next two short stories show me that every day Peter's love and trust in Jesus grows. That he, that he is on a, traje- a trajectory towards something. So let's go ahead and take a look at Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to uh, to 33. Right then, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead to the other side of the lake while he dismissed the crowds. When he sent them away, he went up, to, up onto a mountain by himself to pray. Evening came and he was alone. Meanwhile, the boat, fighting a strong headwind, was being battered by the waves and was already far away from land. Very early in the morning, He came to his disciples walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. They were so frightened they screamed. Let's just pause here for a second. This has nothing to do with the rest of the sermon, but I just find it really funny, and I hope you you will find it funny too. Maybe not. But I find it really funny that the narrator just pauses to let, like, make sure we, we understand that they were, they said it's a ghost, and then they screamed. Like, I just imagine Peter and all the disciples, like, screaming very, very loudly and high-pitched. And it just makes me smile every time I read this passage. So, sorry that that has nothing to do with the rest of the sermon. You just get that for free. Um, just then, Jesus spoke to them. Be encouraged. It's me. Don't be afraid. Peter replied, Lord, if it's you... Order me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. I love Jesus. I don't know if that's evident. Uh, but I, I, I love Jesus. Like when he, when his disciples are freaking out about some ghost, he's just like, guys, chill out. Like have courage. It's okay. I'm here. It's me. Like don't be afraid. This is basically me whenever I walk out the door with puppy Athena. Like, every time she's out, like, we leave the room that she's in and close the door behind us, she just sits there crying. You might have heard her crying, like, five seconds ago. Um, That's why we have a no-dog policy. Uh, But she cries all the time when I leave the room. And, and like, she's afraid I'm never going to come back. And this is the second time that Jesus tells Peter and the others not to be afraid. And here's, here's the cool part. At least this is what I think is cool. Where Peter in the first story was on his knees begging Jesus to leave him, to go away. Matthew tells us that as soon as Jesus says, don't be afraid, Peter replies, Lord, if it's you, command me to come out. Tell me to come to you on the water. And then Jesus says, come. 
And so when I imagine this scene, I have to remember that, remember, remind myself that this is the same Peter as the one who begged Jesus to leave him alone, to go away. And so what I'm going to have us do right now, uh, when I do this, I, I, it, it just, it, it makes the image so much more vivid. And so I want us to close our eyes. If you guys would just close your eyes with me and imagine. And I'll, I'll tell you when to open your eyes. But imagine you're in a smallish boat in the middle of a vast lake, the Sea of Galilee. And you're with 11 of your closest friends. But all around you is fog and mist, and you see the hint of daybreak. But right now, all you see, everything else around you is fog and mist and waves and heavy winds. You're scared for your life. You're tired from sailing all night long. And you're wondering why your teacher and leader left you alone when all of a sudden you see a shape coming towards you on the sea. It looks like the shape of a person walking, but that's not possible. It must be a ghost. And you scream. But as you scream, a familiar voice calls out to you and tells you, have courage. It is I, your friend and master. Don't be afraid. And so your friend Peter moves to the edge of the boat. He's a young man, insecure, fearful. And he calls out in a a voice cracking and quavering. If it's you, Lord, order me to come to you on the water. So your master just says, come. Peter raises his right leg and he starts to do something crazy. He puts over the rail of the boat and hesitantly tests the water. It's firm beneath his feet. He steps down and doesn't sink. He brings his other leg around, and now both of his feet are on the water. He takes his first step. He lets go of the railing, and he takes another step, and another, and another, until he's in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, in between his boat and Jesus. Then he notices the waves and the wind, and he lets fear back into his life. And he starts to sink. If you haven't opened your eyes already, you can do so now. This message isn't about, it is, it, it is about new beginnings. It's not about fear. That was like a series ago. Uh, but th- this, based on my reading of scripture and my own experience, I think Peter's master, the thing that ruled Peter's life was fear. And the reason I tell you this is because I really find it hard to have, in, to, to have new beginnings when something other than God rules my life. When I have a master of, of, that is someone or something other than Jesus. I mean, again, Jesus had to tell Peter twice, do not be afraid. And in, in just a few chapters, we'll see that Peter is afraid again. He'll deny, to the point where he denies even knowing who this Jesus is. He, he lets fear win. He lets it be his master. And, and it makes sense. There, there are scary things in this world, right? Yes? No? Yeah. There are scary things in this world. I, I find myself scared. And when Peter was alive 2,000 years ago in, the, in Israel, 
oceans, lakes, rivers, seas, bit, like large bodies of water would have represented the forces of chaos. The chaos, remember, is the thing that God brings to order. But they find a home in the seas, in these large bodies of water. And so the seas, the, these bodies of water were things that, uh, that you would sail on or walk around. But chances are most people in uh, 2,000 years ago in Israel wouldn't have known how to swim all that well. They wouldn't have been good at swimming because you just don't go swimming in things that represent chaos. Like, that just makes sense to me. I, it, it should make sense to you. Chaos, bad. Not chaos, good. Um, but I, I want you to see, what did Peter just do? He stepped out of the boat. In the midst of his fears and uncertainties, he started walking into and above chaos. And then, like I said, he noticed the things around him. He noticed the waves and the wind. And he began to sink, crying out, Lord, save me. During the next year or so, Judas, one of Jesus' other disciples, one of Peter's friends, betrays Jesus and his friends. Jesus gets arrested, put on trial, and executed. Peter lets his fear take over again. He ran away from the guards that, that arrested Jesus, and he denies even knowing who Jesus is for, on three separate occasions. And this is the event that brings us to our, our final boat story. We're, we're going to find ourselves in a chapter 21 of uh, the book of John. And before we, we get there, I think John 21 is one of the most cinematic scenes in all of Scripture, in the whole New Testament. I think it's just beautiful. I, I cried when I was reading this and trying to figure out what am I going to teach on. And then I saw this. I cried. And I'm like, oh, this. Um, and so... But, but more than that, I think that, that Peter is, a, is just an emotive... He is one of the most emotive people that we see in the New Testament. He's someone that I find his expressions so powerful. And, and maybe you won't see it right now in these three verses, but I, I, I hope that this week you'll go back and just read about Peter's life. Read the stories that involve Peter in, in the New Testament and in, in the Gospels. And I think you'll start to, start to pick it up too. But this is what it says. It says, Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, Zebedee's son, and two other disciples were together. Simon Peter told them, I'm going fishing. They said, we'll go with you. And you might not get it from these, this, this one verse I don't know if you can visualize it with me, but when I read this, I just see, I, I hear Peter sigh dejectedly. Like Peter was the disciple to the Messiah. The, the person that, the man that he said is the son of God. This is the guy who he believed, he put his faith in to deliver Israel, his people from the Romans. It was his best friend, his traveling companion. This was his master. He was the disciple to Jesus. In a, in a matter of days, he's a fisherman. He's denied his master. He's denied his friend. And he's a, he's a fisherman. Not a fisher of men, 
a fisherman, just like he was before. I can hear the sorrow and the loss in Peter's voice. I'm going fishing. When has he gone fi- Like, what? The last time we see that he's gone fishing was before he knew Jesus. I see the disappointment and, and uh, shame is the only other word I can say for it. The shame on his face when he says this, when he gets up to leave. Because he betrayed his master. He betrayed his friend. And so they went out into, they got into the boat that night. They caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples didn't realize it was Jesus. Jesus called to them, Children, have you caught anything to eat? They answered him, No. He said, Cast your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they did, and there were so many fish that they couldn't haul in the net. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said, Peter, said to Peter, It's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he wrapped his coat around himself and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, because you can't forget that, for they weren't far from shore, only about 100 yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire there with fish on it and some bread. The thing about this passage is that it reminds us who Peter was and who he is. Who he was was that, that fearful, insecure young, young man who, when he saw the miraculous power of Jesus, he ran and threw himself at his knees and begged him to go away, to leave him, to let him get back to life, as, life like it was, just normal, and be a fisherman again. But when this time... Peter, instead of falling at Jesus' knees and begging him to leave, when Peter experiences something miraculous, when he realizes that this is his master, this is his friend, he jumps into the ocean or into the sea. He swims through chaos to his master as as fast as he can. He swims to Jesus through all of the craziness of his life. There are things in this world that try to make themselves master over our lives. I I mentioned earlier that I believe that the thing that ruled over Peter's life was fear. Sometimes these these things sneak up on us. They, uh, they, They sneak their way into our lives. Sometimes it's the culture that makes them unavoidable. Sometimes we seek after these things and we place them up as the master of our lives. We secretly desire the comfort of letting our lives be ruled and run by something, something or someone other than God. Maybe for you it's addiction or a relationship or money. Maybe it's a cause or a political party. Maybe it's pornography or this need to be needed. Maybe you identify with Peter and the thing that runs your life is fear. For me, I know I've said this before, but anger was my master. Throughout, all throughout junior high, high school, and even parts of college, anger ruled my life. It was my first instinct and the primary lens through which I viewed the rest of the world. 
But there came a point in my life where someone called me out of my anger and asked me a very simple question. Do you want to stay an angry person forever? As Ajo and the band come back up, I, I want to leave you with this thought. We only glimpsed three moments that I, I identified as quote-unquote new beginnings in Peter's life. But every day that you wake up in your bed is a new beginning. Every time you make a decision to step out of your comfort zone, to step into, uh, into the, out of the boat and into the risky, uncomfortable, stormy, unpredictable life, you're drawing a little bit closer to Jesus. I firmly believe that every day we have an opportunity to make that first decision, to make that decision that sets our trajectory towards Jesus or away from Jesus. For me, the first decision I make every day as I get up out of bed is I don't want to be that angry person anymore. I'm not going to be that angry person anymore. For Peter, I think that decision that he made every single day was, I'm not going to let fear rule my life anymore. So what decision do you need to make today? What decision do you need to make tomorrow and the next day and the day after that? I think that there, there might just be one decision that you have to make and keep on making. So what decision do you, will you make today and keep making every day that will allow you to have the abundant life that Jesus so desperately desires for you. We go and pray for us. And uh, Ajul will lead us in a final song. And I think she has, uh, she writes a poem while, uh, while Pastor John and I speak. Um, and I think she's going to share that as well. So let me go and pray for us. And we'll... Father God, I thank you for this people, this church, this opportunity to, to offer up everything we have. I pray that as I spoke, that you, you spoke, that you, you met this congregation wherever they're at, that you revealed to them what decision it is they need to make, what the abundant life lived with you looks like. Father, we are humbled at the fact that you would choose to dwell with us, that you would choose a people to work in and through. Lord, we bow before you today. We give you everything that we are. We offer up this final song, these last moments, and the first, the first minutes of every day to you. Allow us to, to make that decision today, tomorrow, and the next day, and all the days to come. We love God. Amen. Amen.